You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. If you haven't attended our in-person events before, this is your chance to experience the energy, the talks, the transformation that we create at these events, which is why for this episode, I have chosen one of my favorite talks that you get to enjoy from the comfort of your home. Great stories are absolutely effective for anything that we want to do. We want to do a great job at establishing a personal brand. It's a great thing. You want to enroll anybody. It's a great thing. You want to connect with a person. It's a great thing. Stories help communicate ideas a lot more powerfully than anything else that we can do. Most of my life, I've given presentations that are content heavy. Like it's always been something that is very intense. You will take like 10,000 notes from it and very likely you'll do nothing from what I said on stage. It's very possible. And I've got that feedback before in, in life. It's like, it was amazing. And I don't know what you talked about at the end of it because the retention of it is incredibly low. When you do a presentation that's just heavy and loaded in content, but doesn't really connect with the audience because the people don't feel you. They don't feel the resonance of why you even told what you just told. And why should I be intellectually stimulated by something, but not really know how to use it or see the real representation of it in my life, right? And with that recognition, I realized that to become a great coach, a great trainer, a great person, a great father for that matter, I must become better at storytelling, right? The better stories I told, the easier it is for somebody to actually correlate to that experience. Like it's better and easier for a person to kind of go, okay, I may not remember the point, but I'll remember the story, right? And it's not something that I was very good at until I think recently I've gotten better at it, right? And the reason why I got better at it is because I finally found the stories follow a structure. Stories don't have to be overly complicated. Stories don't have to be grand. Stories doesn't have to be really life stories where everything must be revealed in that one story. Because the grander the story, the harder it is for somebody to grasp it. And so what tends to happen, and that would probably be happening for you, is as you become somebody who's communicating your ideas in the world, you think, oh, I have one story and that's my life story. How many of you feel that, right? That's the story that I must tell, my big life story. For me, it was like the story of my childhood. Like, how did I grow up? And that story has time travel in it. By time travel, I mean, you have to start with when I was a teenager. And then you have to learn when I was like 32 or 33. Like, it's a time-long story. It could be a movie, right? And I'm trying to tell that in 10 minutes to someone. Good luck having somebody connect with that, right? So, which is a great story in some way, and some of it may recall, but it won't connect in the same way a good story does. A good story is often a very simple thing that just happened. It may have already happened for you today. A good story doesn't make a big point. It reminds you of a point. A good story is something that you can hold on to and be reminded of what is already important to you. A good story takes your listener exactly to the place that you were at at some point and find that connection in their story. So if I tell a story, it's not about my story. It's about how you see your story in my story, right? A good story is not about you. A good story is about the audience, right? 
So when we tell stories or when we identify our stories, we must lean into the idea of saying, how is it that I can tell a story that will connect to the point that I'm going to make and is connected to the audience that I'm actually talking to, right? Good stories or great stories don't have to be grandiose. And that used to be my problem, at least. And I don't know if it's your problem, but my problem. I'm like, what story to tell? How many of you feel like you don't know what story to even tell? So a good stories job or, or to find good stories is actually much simpler than one would imagine. Good stories are always happening around us. We just don't see them in the same way as we would see because we think stories need to this magnum opus. They need to this big movie of my life that must show how gritty and awesome I am, right? That's what we think stories are. And that's where we get it all wrong. The story has nothing to prove that if you are an awesome person or not. That's not the story's job. The story's job is to make the point that makes the person that is listening to the story awesome. So we're going to turn stories on its head and we're going to re-identify how to tell a good story. What is a good story? What's the structure of it? And it is something that, yes, you practice over time. You get comfortable with over time. But at least the discovery of it will become easier and at least some sort of structure around it will become easier. The first thing is how do you even identify a story? How do you identify a story? Now, stories have happened many times in your life. A great way to find a good story is to find a challenge in your life. Most likely, you have overcome that challenge. Don't try to think about the challenge you're in. You could think about that too because you're probably on the other end of it already or you're kind of coming out of it. But it's an easier story to tell if you take a challenge that has already happened and you're already overcome. So you have the conclusion of the story a little bit or some version of the conclusion of the story. And an easy way to identify is to find out stories that are in different areas of your life. I've identified some kind of challenges all of us experience in our lives, like a financial challenge, a relationship challenge, a parenting challenge, a health challenge. We all have experienced some kind of challenge in our life. Either we have experienced it or we know somebody who has experienced it. And because of that, we know the story. So for example, has there ever been where you really felt that it's not going to work out financially for you? Or you felt like, fuck, my bank account looks really terrible right now, right? Or it felt like if you didn't get the money in time, you don't know how you'll make rent. But you did make rent. Or you came out of that hole, whatever it was, at some point, right? That's the story there. Has it ever happened that you were in a bad relationship? If you've had a bad relationship, or if you're in a bad relationship, if you've been divorced, if you are looking at divorce right now in your life, those are all relationship stories. A bad friendship, friendship gone wrong. That's a great relationship story to tell. You had a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old who gave you the moment of truth where nobody else would give you a moment of truth. Right? I relate to those ages because my kids are two and four and they give me a moment of truth pretty much every day. But those are great stories to tell. Like, oh, in that moment, when you look in your son or daughter's eye and you go, this is as real as it gets. They're parenting stories, they're great stories to tell. So let's identify based on the different challenges. You can pick any of them. Try to find at least three challenges based on the different challenges I listed. Or if you can think of another challenge based on your context, let's write that down. Okay. Before we get to the next part of the exercise, let me tell you something that happened on December 31st, 2014. We were on our classic Christmas, New Year's vacation. I was running the company Mind Valley at the time. I was the CEO of the company. I was really loud and proud CEO, going to events, telling everybody about it. I'm the CEO of the company. I'm you know working with the founder. I'm the only other CEO that has ever seen by Mind Valley. And it was already a successful company. We were doing about 40 million in revenue at the time, and I was a really successful CEO. I was only 31. So I was like, wow. 31, running a $40 million company. I was like, we'll party it out. And so 31st of December, I'm in Malaysia. It is a party city, so we all go out. I find a bunch of my colleagues who were also my friends and my closest, dearest friends at the time. And I was like, all right, let's go out party. The few that were remaining in town, we go out to the streets of Kuala Lumpur to have a great time. 
right? And we are walking around the streets of Kuala Lumpur and we are having a party. They have like fireworks everywhere. And right around midnight, right around when the fireworks are about to start, as I'm walking through the streets of Kuala Lumpur, there's a woman that comes across and looks right, stands right in front of me. And as she stands right in front of me, she looks dead in the eye and says, who are you? No. Who are you? I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm Ajit. And I don't know this woman. I have no idea who this person is. Who are you? I was like, um, Ajit? No, who are you? I go, I don't know. Is this woman's crazy or what? <laughs> like, I don't know what she's talking about. So I just like, I like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And she just walks past me and then fireworks start happening. So I'm like back in the motor, like, okay, oh shit, what happened here? I'm all confused. I'm all lost. I'm wondering what just happened. Who's this person? Why she walked up to me? Why did she say who I am? The thing is, in that moment, I thought, oh, well, it must be a random person. And I went back to partying. But the next morning when I woke up, I realized that that was a question I didn't know the answer to. I didn't know who I was. Yes, I was the CEO of a company, but that was my designation. That was the work I did in the world. But who am I? See, that was a time in my life when I was miserable beyond my work. My work was amazing. I loved the fucking gig I had. But if you'd ask me, hey, how's your relationship budget? I'd be like, it's non-existent. We barely meet. We barely hang out. We live in two different countries. How's your friendship budget? Oh, like mostly are my colleagues are my friends. I'm not connected to my old friends. Hey, how's you and your parents? I'm like, oh, I haven't speak to them as if it's a chore. Like every week, call them once a week. So mom feels like I'm calling her. Who am I? And that question, while simple enough, became a pivotal moment in changing my life. Because in that moment, I realized that you could be very successful to the world and be completely unsuccessful as a person. In that moment, I realized that I was deeply unfulfilled, that I'd become that exact example that in my company, we said nobody should become. See, Mindbali is a big personal growth company. And running the company, I forgot the personal growth needs to be done by also the person that is running the company. So I became that person that we hoped nobody ever became. That we hoped for the society that, hey, everybody should live their best life. You should do meaningful work and you should have great relationships and you should have great friendships and you should travel the world. You should do whatever you want. You should get everything that you desire. And I had become the complete opposite of that. In that moment, I realized that a simple question like, who are you, can change an unfulfilled person's life to a fulfilled person's life. That day, I started a journey of finding myself. That day, I started the journey of rediscovering my identity. The reason why I told you this story is so you can see how a story from a small event can be dragged on to become a full story to make a point. Now, I can make many different points with the same story. It's not even a full story. I just wanted to give you a snippet of it. It was something that led from a point to another, but it was literally maybe a day of my life that I described, right? I can extend it as much as I want. I can make it more emotional. If I want to take you there, I can go really talk about my deep sorrow at the time because it was very sorrowful for me. Or I can keep it as nonchalant as I did for about because I was trying to do a two-minute version, not a 10-minute version, right? And I can make any point with the story because the point that I could make is connected to identity, which means if I want to talk about more around health, I could dial up the topic of I was not healthy as a person. See, that day I realized that health is everything. So I can go to any conclusion if I draw the right story, right? And of course, there will be only finite number of conclusions, but these finite are still enough for us to build any talk around it. And that's what a story structure is. So story structure usually starts with something that is specific. The reason why we want to start with, that's why I started with 31st December 2014, because it puts you into a place with me. I say Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Even if you've never been there, it puts you into a place. 
but in your mind, you've traveled to that place, right? So you always want to start with something that's specific because specificity helps a person to go, zoop, I'm going to think about this timeline now. This is also why when telling stories, you never want to time jump. We all do that. Six months later, I did blah, 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 blah. A person cannot follow your timeline. It's just not possible in the storytelling. They want to be emotionally with you, right? So you want to pick a time and you want to tell the story for that time. And that's as much as you're going to do. You're not going to make time jumps. You're not going to talk about what happened three years later. That may happen in the conclusion, but not in the story. The story would have only one event. The first thing to remember is what date and time or day did it happen? If you've seen movies, a lot of times they would establish what month and year it is, especially if they're trying to draw something that's very specific to month and year, right? If they're trying to tell the story in 1980s, they would say date 1980, right? Because they're trying to take you to that timeline, right? And they will have establishing shots that somehow prove to you you are in 1980, right? So that's kind of what you want to do when you start the story. Then these are the ways to find the story. But basically, this is what I did over the entire course of storytelling, if you really think about it, is I told you the incidents that happened. This is obvious. You already know that. But I also correlated the emotions related to that incidents. Again, I can go as deep in those emotions as I want if I do a 10-minute version, right? But you want to know the emotions because your audience mostly will relate to the emotion that they're having, that the emotions that they're having because they are feeling the same emotions. So say, for example, if I really wanted to draw the story, I might have said something like, has there ever been a time where you felt like everything was going right in your life, but everything felt wrong? I got a hmm right here as I looked at Alex, because maybe that has happened in Alex's life. So he went, huh, and I heard a huh here. Right. That actually means that it has happened in their life. And all I had to do was to go one step further into the emotion. Right. Right. And I can keep going, 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 because all I have to do is turn up exactly how I felt at that time or words that I would use in my mind at that time. And more I use the words, more you'd go, huh, because some of you would have experienced that emotion. And that's how we get to the same emotional place. Right. And that's what a good story would do. A good story's job is for you to find the same emotional place that I was at because now we are connected. Now that story is not about me because you're in that emotion or you were in that emotion. So you can be in that story with me now. So that's what you want to do. You want to write down as many emotions that come to you or words that is a mental chatter that might have happened at the time for you because that will tell you the emotions that you have, right? I was telling myself I wasn't good enough or what a fraud I was. Or I was telling myself, I was talking to myself saying, but you've become all the success and you've gotten all the accolades. Why do you not feel happy? Why do you not feel fulfilled? But you've got all the money that your parents always wanted you to make. Why is it that now you feel so unfulfilled? What a dick, right? And I could tell those things because those are mental dialogues that we have. We all tell ourselves, especially if you are somebody who feels unfulfilled, but you're wildly successful. You do tell yourself like, why are you so ungrateful, right? Has anybody felt that in our lives, right? Where you're like, I should be happy about this, but I'm not. That's where once you start to talk about that chatter, people who have had that chatter, which is anybody that is related to that story, would go, oh, fuck, I've totally seen myself in that. I feel that. I feel that story. Right? So you want to write down that mental chatter there. What was the thing that you were telling yourself? Even if you can't capture the emotion, if you can capture the mental chatter, you will find the emotion. Okay? Which is the next question, which is what ran through your head. So it's what, what were you thinking? Then comes, how did you rise? This is bringing them out of the story and this gets into conclusion. But conclusion is something that let's not work too much on because conclusion is something we all get to really fast because we are coaches. <laughs> so we want to go, hey, let's not think about the problem. Let's think about how I can solve the problem, right? Does that happen in our stories all the time where we get to the conclusion so fast that the person goes, hold on, was there a story there? We tell stories, but we want to get to the conclusion because if we want to get to the conclusion, we often don't even tell the full story. We don't take our time. 
But here's the truth about storytelling, that if you look at a great storyteller, they take the time to tell the story. They would stop, they would pause, they will look in your eye, right? Even if they're not looking in your eye, you will feel like they're looking in your eye because they're looking in somebody's eyes, right? That's what connects us because we take our time. The faster you tell the story, the less likely it is that your audience will feel it. The slower you tell your story, the more time you take with your story, the more uh, words you use to describe the event that happened, the more likely it is that the audience will find the connection point. Because they want to, right? They're in the audience. They don't want to just passively sit there. They want to find why I'm listening to this person. Give it to them. But you can only give it to them if you take your time. Now, once you've given them the time, when you've worked with them on the story, you've taken enough time to really build the story, then we talk about conclusion. The conclusion of the story usually needs to be incredibly easy and rememberable. And this is, again, one of those classic mistakes I used to make all the time because my would be like this big complex system that you must understand in 15 seconds because that's all the time I got now, right? Or I'll make a 15-minute presentation or 30-minute presentation with these really complex ideas and I want the person to take it all away. They can't. It's not because they're not smart or anything like that. It's just a lot. I have actually done research on it, hours and hours of it, is why I have a complex model. They got 20 minutes. Out of that, maybe three minutes to understand the damn thing that you just put up on the screen. They don't want to know it. I mean, they want to know it. They think they want to know it, but they don't actually. What they actually want is to find that one thing they can actually grab onto and take home, okay? So when we tell stories, we don't tell stories with a big, complex outcome. Those are the speakers that you would often go... They are brilliant. Sure, for their ego, it's great. They are brilliant. But that's not the point of a good speaker. The point of a good speaker is after you've listened to the speaker, the person goes, I can do that, right? That's a good speaker. Like you feel like, oh, I can do this. I can find a way to do this. That's a good trainer. That's a good speaker. If you just go, that person's a brilliant person, then good for them. Like, what are you going to do with it? <laughs> like that information is meaningless for you, right? It massages their ego, but doesn't do anything for you. So also because it's better for us as speakers, especially for social media, if we actually relate to people. Because just being smart is not going to do anything for you. Like it's not going to do anything for the audience as well, right? So let's become more connected, if I may, versus am I sounding right? Because there's a lot of sounding right people on social and in the world, really, if you really think about it, right? There's so many of them. And that's why they're unrelatable, right? They might have a podcast and the podcast might work, but nobody's buying from them. They're not because they can't connect with them. They go, they are brilliant, but that's pretty much it. That's where the buck stops. It's real. Like if you talk to such individuals about, hey, how's your business doing? It's never really doing well. It's not. Their speaking gigs are doing well, but that's pretty much where their career ends is because they're just smart people talking about how awesome they are, which is okay. Nothing wrong with that if that's what you want for your life. But if you want to impact somebody's life, they need to feel connected to you because that's when they will invite you to say, okay, fine, you are invited to help me change my life, right? Would that be a fair assessment for all of us in a way to go, yeah, i rather have a person that I feel connected to and I'm happy to buy with them or buy from them versus somebody who just sounds really smart. So that's what we want as coaches is we want to engage a person. We're not going to cause a transformation in a talk. Let's get really real. Like I can't cause this transformation even on this talk where we're actually working transformational work because we're doing exercises. I can't change your life here, but spend a year with me, yes. Spend five, absolutely, because that's how transformation happens. Transformation is not going to happen in a moment. That never happens. It happens when you spend time with some person or with a coach or a trainer or an educator, right? Your client's lives change when they take the time to spend the time with you. It doesn't happen because overnight you're like, oh, he said some magical thing and I'm a different person. Doesn't happen. Has never happened. Will not happen. That's just not how transformation happens, right? So when we know that, 
Let's make our conversation intentional to inspire them enough to just say, I like you, I feel connected to you, let's talk more. And that's the only job of storytelling for us. In different contexts, maybe a different, but that's for us as coaches, trainers, educators, that's your only job. You're not telling stories to change lives. You're telling stories to build connection. Do you understand that reframe? The most common mistake that we do while telling stories, not so much while writing stories, is we tell them really fast. Like we think we are taking somebody's time by telling our story. A story is only impactful when it takes the time that is due. Because what happens in a story is most of the time you're hearing the story for the first time, right? Which means the person that is listening needs to catch up to your story. They're not in the story. You are in the story because you've lived it. But the person that's listening has never heard that story. And if you tell it too fast, they go, hold on, I was trying to like capture what you said before. And by that time, you're already on to the next point. So you want to take your time, take as much time as needed for you to be able to tell the story. It also helps them catch up to the emotion that you may want to communicate, right? If you've ever seen a great actor, they have one phenomenal skill. They can just look dead in your eye and just express all the emotions by looking dead in your eyes, right? They're not scared of it. They're not concerned about it. But that makes the moment really powerful, right? That's what makes your storytelling also powerful. If you pause, you take a moment, if you need to take a moment, you're trying to communicate an emotion, you're taking the time to communicate that emotion, right? It's called a pregnant pause as well. But that's something you want to be mindful of. Don't tell a really big story. Like I said, if you try to tell your life story, it's too big a story. It's really hard for a person to really follow along. That also becomes really long, especially once you refine the storytelling, you want to help them go into emotion. Don't try to tell a really big story. Try to tell a small story or one incident. Sometimes that one incident might have led you to three different outcomes, but that makes it three different stories, okay? And story always has only one outcome. Even if it had three outcomes, you tell three different stories of that same event because it leads to three different outcomes if you want to. Otherwise, you pick one, you run with it, right? And it'll be related to usually at least the first one that we develop to the coaching that you do, right? Because that's the easiest to do, right? It's like you directly have use for the story then going right at the back of this event. You can be like, oh, I can take the story and use it in my coaching. Great, fantastic. You have one developed story because of that, right? Open loops. Open loops are when you tell something and then you don't complete it. That messes with a person's head. It's like saying open loop would be, let's say, and I don't know if you all do it, but I have done this in the past. Is where I would go, let's say the story that I was telling before. It's like 31st December. And then my friend told me we should go for a drink. But then I went on the street. I just left an open loop. But what the fuck happened with that friend? So it's, it's not... Evident, but it is evident when you're actually listening to the story because unconsciously you're trying to go, this friend is probably going to come back in the story. And the friend's not coming back in the story. So you don't want to open a loop that you're not going to close. If the friend is coming back in the story, sure. But if the friend is not coming in the story again, don't open that loop, right? So that's called an open loop. Not enough feelings in the story, which means you don't take the time to actually explain the, what was going in your head and what was the emotions you were going through. If you don't take the time because you think you're wasting somebody's time, again, you're wasting nobody's time, go ahead and explain it because that's how they get to that place. So that's actually important for storytelling purposes. And lastly is time jumps, which I already talked about. Don't tell stories that jump three years later, five years later, seven years later. One time jump is fine because the conclusion is say three years later. But that's pretty much it. You don't do many time jumps, which again, people who are trying to tell a big story have many time jumps. And many time jumps, people get confused and they don't know where the story is at. Okay.